The following is a teaching from Irving Bible Church. To learn more about who we are, visit irvingbible.org new. Well, good morning, IBC. How's everybody doing this morning? All right, good to see you, and to know that we got a bunch of you that are joining us online this morning. Welcome, everybody. We are, as Chad said, in the third week of a series that we're calling Our Life Together, where we're talking about the reality that, that the things we do when we gather together in the church, they're, they're odd, they're, they're peculiar, right? They're strange when compared to the rest of our lives. Uh, things like baptism, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Why, why do we immerse people in water? Last week, we talked about communion. Why do we take a wafer and, and dip it in juice every week? Why, why do we take communion? These somewhat odd practices of the church. This morning, we're going to talk about giving. Why is it that week after week, somebody stands up here and talks to you about the five ways to give at IBC? Is this just because we're a, a nonprofit organization and we're relying on people's charitable giving in order to, to fund the operations? The answer to that question is no. I mean, it's true that we are a nonprofit organization and it's true that we are dependent on the faithful, generous giving of the people of this church family to keep the lights on and to pay salaries and to do all the things that we're doing in the world. But there's so much more to it than that. There is, in fact, a deep theology underneath our participation in open-handed generosity in the life of the church. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to take the time that I have left, the clock tells me 27 minutes left, and I want to give you a, a kind of comprehensive theology of giving. You know, at Irving Bible Church, we say God is calling us, the people of Irving Bible Church, to become a multi-ethnic movement of missionary disciples formed in the way of Jesus for the sake of the world. We want to see rescue and renewal sweep across our city, sparked by the men, women, youth, and children of Irving Bible Church. We want to lead a movement of gospel transformation as people meet Jesus, learn to trust and follow him, and are sent out into their neighborhoods, their schools, and their workplaces to join him in his mission. But to see our vision realized will require the people of God giving faithfully to the family of God in the pursuit of the mission of God. You know, for years at IBC, we've used this little phrase, not just ourselves, to describe the way that we want to order our lives as individuals, as families, and as a community. And this way of living is about much more than just our finances, but it does have important implications for the way that we think about our money and our giving to and through the local church. So this morning, I want to articulate the theological convictions that inform the ways that we think about, the ways that we teach about, and the ways that we live out faithful financial stewardship at IBC. I, I got to tell you, this is sort of fun. For those of you who have been around IBC a little while, this morning as I was getting ready to, to come uh, to church, uh, I reached in the closet and I grabbed a new shirt to put on. It, it's a new shirt that is green and blue plaid. And some of you may know why I didn't grab the green shirt, because for years, Andy, my predecessor, when he'd get up to talk about money, would always wear the green money shirt. And I was like, I don't think I can pull it off the way that Andy did. <laughs> but when we think about together, God's call on us as members of a family on a mission. We want to think about this theology of giving, and there really are kind of five principles that make up this theology of giving. What I call the sovereignty principle, the stewardship principle, the worship principle, the discipleship principle, and the mission principle. 
And so I just want to kind of unpack those with you this morning. First, the, the sovereignty principle. And that word sovereignty, to talk about the sovereignty of God, sometimes gets people's uh, brains all twisted. There, there, there's debates throughout the history of the church of what it means to affirm the sovereignty of God, and, and people get all uptight about it. And let me just tell you, that's not what we're talking about here. What, what we're talking about is just the reality that to speak of the sovereignty of God is to say that God is the rightful king over all creation. God's sovereignty is to say he is the rightful king over all creation, that everything ultimately belongs to him. The psalmist captures this in Psalm 24, verse 1, where we see the, the, the psalmist say, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. God is the rightful king over the entirety of his creation. Later in the Psalms, in Psalm 50, the psalmist, the Lord speaking through the psalmist, uh, talks about Israel's offerings, Israel's sacrifices. And, and here's what it says. The Lord says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or from goats from your pens for every animal in the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. Isn't that beautiful? God says, I know every single bird in the mountains, and each insect in the field is mine. If I were hungry, the Lord says, I wouldn't tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. The sovereignty principle just begins with the recognition that all we are and all we have and all creation ultimately, rightfully belongs to God. God is the creator, the sustainer, the ruler of all that exists. He is all powerful and all sufficient. He doesn't need anything from us. We've got to have that in place to begin with. That God doesn't need anything from us. Rather, we must understand that all we are and all we have comes from him and ultimately belongs to him. Our understanding of God's sovereign rule over creation invites us to trust that he will supply all of our needs to rest in our security in him and to yield our lives and our resources to him. You know, when we think about this idea of the sovereignty of God, we, it's sometimes easy for us to affirm the notion in the abstract and it becomes more complicated when we actually sit down to pay the bills, right? Are we really gonna trust God that he's gonna supply all of our needs? And so when we come to thinking about a theology of giving, we first begin with the recognition, everything we are, everything we have rightfully belongs to God. When we give open-handedly, when we give generously, it's a way of expressing our trust in the sovereignty of God, believing that he will supply all of our needs. The sovereignty principle. Second is the stewardship principle. If the sovereignty principle is it's all, it all belongs to God, the stewardship principle is he's entrusted some of it to us. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, says, each of you, so all of us, each of you should use whatever gift that you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And part of the various forms that Peter is talking about there are our financial resources, and that we're called to steward those resources for the glory of God and the good of other people. If all that we are and all that we have comes to us from God and ultimately belongs to him, therefore then we recognize that what we have, he has entrusted into our care. Stewardship is just another way of saying that we are managers of all that God has entrusted to us. That means our time, our talents, our treasure, 
our influence, our relationships, and everything else in our lives has been given to us by God, and he's called us to steward, well, that which he has entrusted to us, which includes our finances. In terms of finances, this includes responsible care for our own needs, for the needs of our family, sacrificial concern for the needs of others, and faithful support of God's work in and through the local church. It all belongs to God, but he's entrusted some of it to us to be faithful stewards of what he's given us. The sovereignty principle, the the stewardship principle. Third, the worship principle. The worship principle, that is that our giving is an act of worship. For, For years around here, we would pass the baskets up and down each of the aisles. And oftentimes, somebody would stand up here and say, remember that when we do this, it's not an interruption of our worship, but a continuation of it. That our financial giving is an act of worship in response to God's generous giving towards us. You see, at the heart of the vision of God that we find on display in the pages of the scripture, the, the God preeminently revealed in Jesus is a gracious giver. The heart of the gospel is that God gave. Perhaps the most beloved and well-known verse in all the Bible, John three sixteen, on into 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God so loved the world. God so loved you and me that he gave. That he gave his one and only son. The God of the Bible is a gracious giver. And we give not out of obligation, but out of gratitude. Um, back in the early 90s, uh, uh, I spent some time down in Waco, Texas. I, I started college uh, at a junior college, a community college in Waco. And at that time, on Monday nights, there was a group of college students that would gather for a Bible study with a guy named Louis Giglio. Now, some of you know the name Louis Giglio, who's gone on to become a, a pastor at Passion City Church in Atlanta. The church is impacting that city. Louis has gone on to lead this uh, massive movement of college students for the last couple of decades called Passion I had the incredible privilege to be the first professor at Dallas Seminary to teach as part of the Passion Global Institute, a partnership between the seminary and Passion City Church. And it was amazing for me to get to be there and to, to, to get to connect with Louis and get to tell him a little bit of my story and how the person that I've become, the pastor I've become, the, the professor that I was in that space had been so deeply marked by sitting in that Bible study in Waco, Texas back in the early 90s. Um, and I'll never forget, it's like, it's like, tattooed on my frontal lobe, this definition of worship that he offered in a series uh, of teaching that he said, worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to who he is and what he's done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. Worship is our response to God for who he is and for what he's done expressed in and by the things that we say, the things that we sing about him when we gather here together and the way that we live. And so giving is a response that's prompted by who God is and what he's done in our lives. I've said it before and I'll say it again. God does not want your guilt-induced giving. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll take it, but, <laughs> but that's not what God wants from you. And, and unfortunately, for a long time, churches have tended to use guilt to help motivate people to give, to, 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 to do their part, to sort of lean on people to give more, to give, to give more deeply. And friends, God does not want your guilt-induced giving. He wants your grace-induced giving. That he wants you to respond to the way in which he has demonstrated his love for you, to respond to the ways in which he has so faithfully provided for you, to give in response as an act of worship. He doesn't want your guilt-induced giving. He wants grace-induced giving. The sovereignty principle. It all belongs to God. The stewardship principle. He's entrusted some of it to us. The worship principle. Our giving is an act of worship. And then fourth, the discipleship principle. That is, giving is an essential part of our discipleship to Jesus. It's really interesting to note that Jesus talked about money a lot. If you read through the Gospels, you'll be struck by just how frequently Jesus talked about money. Well, the thing is, is that Jesus understood the connection between our money and our hearts. Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said to his disciples, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is a brilliant little line from Jesus. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Because we understand that, that our, um, our treasure follows our heart, right? It's not hard for us to spend money on things that we really love. But Jesus is actually saying something deeper than that. It's not just that your money follows your heart. Jesus is saying your heart follows your money. What you do with your money, right? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your, your heart follows your money. And the thing is, is that God doesn't want your money. God doesn't want your money. God wants your heart. He's just smart enough to know that the two are intimately connected. And so this invitation to live lives of open-handed generosity is because God wants our hearts because he's so concerned about the condition of our hearts. Our, our financial giving is one of the essential components of our discipleship to Jesus because God uses our faithful, sacrificial giving as part of his process of forming our hearts, making us more and more is the kind of people who love God above all else and love our neighbors as ourselves. Our giving is an essential aspect of our discipleship to Jesus. So we have the sovereignty principle. It all belongs to God. We have the stewardship principle. He's entrusted some of it to us. We have the worship principle that giving is an act of worship. We have the discipleship principle that, that giving is an essential part of our discipleship to Jesus. Then finally, we have the mission principle. The mission principle, that is, our giving advances God's mission in the world. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, in both of Paul's letters to the church in Corinth, he's talked to them about their generous giving, in particular in the first letter, an appeal for them to give to help meet the needs of others. And now he's commending them for their faithfulness in doing so. And he says this in chapter 9, verse 12. This service, that is this giving that you've done, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions 
of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanied your confession in the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given to you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, do you see what Paul says there? That because of your generosity, your, your sacrifice, this service, God is supplying the needs of others. And because of you doing that, supplying their needs, they then respond in expressions of thanks to God. And he says, and others will praise God because of what you have done. The impact that you can have. See, God's mission is his active engagement in the world to rescue and renew his good but broken creation. And his mission involves both our proclamation of the good news about Jesus and our demonstration of the gospel's transforming power. And at IBC, we believe that we're all called to participate in God's mission in ways that bring salvation, healing, and transformation both to our city and around the world. That we're all called to participate in the mission of God. This is why we talk about a movement of missionary disciples. I've said many times, that's a clunky little phrase, missionary disciples, but we keep saying it as a reminder that all of us who seek to be disciples of Jesus are called to participate in his mission in the world. I have this uh, book on my desk upstairs. I actually picked it up off of the free uh, book shelf up here at Cuppa, and it's a book, maybe one of you put it there. It's uh, The Basics of Figure Skating Skills. Published in 1968, it's got all this old, uh, late 60s artwork in it. I, I just love it. And so it's basics of figure skating skills. And I can imagine if we really got passionate about figure skating, we could, we could get a bunch of people together and get somebody to stand up here and, and talk about the basics of figure skating skills for half an hour, right? And then we could leave and we could go to our homes and we could sit around in circles and we could each share our favorite passages from the basics of figure skating skills, right? What does this mean to you? We could even spend time every day just reading through a passage of the basics of figure skating skills, maybe even memorizing passages of the basics of figure skating skills. But what's the whole point of the basics of figure skating skills? It's to get out on the ice, right? And that's the whole point of this book, that sometimes that's what we do. We, we sit around and we listen to sermons about the book, right? And we we sit around in small groups and talk about the book and we memorize portions of the book, but the whole point is to do the book, to join the mission of God. And we're all called to participate in the mission of God, in our individual lives, in our family lives, where we live, work, play, and learn. But we also have an opportunity to participate collectively in the mission of God, pooling together our resources to make an impact in the world that's greater than the impact that any one of us individually can make. And so that's what we do together. We pool our resources to advance God's mission. Your faithful giving at IBC helps support missionaries, church planters, and our local and global partners who are transforming lives both for now and for eternity here and around the world. You may not realize it, but we have a hero in the room this morning. Rosanna Baba is here with us this morning from Cebu, Philippines. She is the, um, the director uh, there on site, the director of program operations at My Refuge House. 
And hopefully you've heard us talk about My Refuge House through the years, 15 years that they're celebrating of the way in which God is working in that place to provide holistic, restorative care for girls that have been rescued from uh, horrendous harm. But they are taken uh, from that place of harm and brought to a place of safety. They're brought to a place of love. They're given uh, edu- education. They're, they're given therapy. They're given food. They're given the gospel. That they provide holistic care for these girls. And Roseanne is the one who's there leading all of those efforts. And she's here with us this morning. Can we just say thank you to her? But friends, you are a part of that work. Your faithful giving to Irving Bible Church helps make that work happen. Helps make life change for those little girls to take place. Because we together pool our resources to advance the kingdom of God. This is what we're all called to be a part of. The stewardship principle, it all belongs to God. The the sovereignty principle, it all belongs to God. The stewardship principle, he's entrusted some of it to us. The worship principle, our giving is an act of worship. The discipleship principle, the giving is an essential part of our discipleship to Jesus. The mission principle, our giving advances the mission of God in the world. And so this morning, the, the opportunity for all of us is simply to reflect, to say, what is my part to play? What is my, God, what would you have me do to play my part in honoring these principles of sovereignty, stewardship, worship, discipleship? A mission. For some of you, giving isn't a regular part of uh, your journey with Jesus. And I would just challenge you to say today, make a decision. Maybe you and your spouse need to spend some time, even before you leave this building, to determine what, what is our part to play. Um, sometimes we can think it over and think it over and think it over and not act. And, and so I would just really encourage you to think about making a commitment to participate in open-handed generosity as part of the life of this church before you leave the building today. Maybe some of you, this is a, a, an ongoing, active part of your discipleship to Jesus. Perhaps like me, you've got it set up to be automated in ways that sometimes it's easy even to, to, to just forget about. And maybe the challenge for us today is, is this a time to, to dig a little deeper, to, to give a little more in ways that we feel it so that we can recognize the reality that all that we are and all we have ultimately belongs to God that he's entrusted some of it to me, to steward, that I wanna give in response to the self-giving love of God reflected in the gospel and all the good things that are part of my life. And I want my heart to be shaped in my discipleship to Jesus. And I wanna help advance the mission of God in the world. What's your part to play? Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you this morning for the reminder of just what a good God you are. God, that all that we are and all that we have comes to us from you. And God, you so loved this world that you gave your one and only son. That whoever believes in him might have eternal life that begins now. Lord, if there be any who are here this morning who have never trusted in what Christ has done, that today might be the day that they would say, I wanna wanna trust in him. I wanna surrender my life to you, God. But God, for all of us who are here, 
May you stir in our hearts the appropriate response to your invitation to live lives of open-handed generosity in response to your goodness and grace. And may we follow in obedience. And we thank you now for the opportunity to come to this table to be reminded of your great love with which you loved this world, this great love with which you have loved us in sending your son Jesus. And we pray all of this in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Irving Bible Church. To learn more about who we are, visit irvingbible.org new.